Hey Detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, a podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew Files series. I'm your host Teagues and today's episode is Case 47, Flirting with Danger. Welcome back detectives and for all the new detectives tuning in, welcome. So, Flirting with Danger was released in May 1990 and just a fun fact, this is the last book before they significantly changed the cover art. So, we will talk about the new style cover art in the next episode, but this is, yeah, the last one with the same kind of font that's being used for the heading and the same design type with Nancy up front, the hot guy in the middle and the action scene in the background. So what was happening in the world in May 1990? Well, a throwback to our last episode, Win, Place or Die, that took place in Kentucky at the Kentucky Derby. Well, in May 1990, the 116th Kentucky Derby took place and Craig Parrott, who rode unbridled, wins in two minutes and 20 seconds. Now, the next little fact or event rather that happened in 1990 actually blew my mind. It wasn't until May 1990 that the World Health Organization removed homosexuality from its list of diseases. Like, just let that sink in for a second. May 1990. That is like just over 30 years ago. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, my mind is blown. I am so grateful to live in a time where we accept everybody for who they are and love is love. And yes, there's a lot of work for society to do to accept everybody the way they are. It's much better than it was back in the day. And in more happier news, I guess, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope sends its first photographs from space. So that is pretty, pretty cool. I love space. I just finished reading The Martian. I listened to the audiobook and it was narrated by Will Wheaton and it was fantastic. Like he nailed that narration. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you go and listen to it. Also, if you're interested, I would love to share what books I'm reading because I've been an avid reader this year and I've read so many books. So if you want me to like share that at the start of the episode, like feel free. Otherwise I can just keep it all about Nancy Drew and the year of (laughs) the book being released. It was a pretty quiet month in regards to big movies coming out, but we did have Back to the Future 3 and The Muppets at Walt Disney World. June is next month and that's the start of movie season in the USA. So we're going to have some huge hits on the list next month or in the next episode rather. And Nothing Compared to You by Sinead O'Connor is still dominating the Billboard charts, but then it finally gets knocked down when Madonna releases Vogue. Okay, into our cover. So, you know, the usual action scene in the background, although there's not much action happening. It just looks like a film studio and some person standing there with a camera. In the middle, we have a really hot looking guy. Like he looks phenomenal and I would date him. (laughs) He's wearing double denim with a yellow t-shirt and he's got like a relatively modern haircut. This haircut or hairstyle is really popular again in 2021. It's kind of got one side that's short and the other side swept to the side. Um, Yeah, he looks great. I don't know who it could be though. I've got no idea. (laughs) Um, And as for Nancy, Nancy looks 
nothing like Nancy, <laughs> like nothing like her at all. She looks like an 80s housewife. She's wearing a pink skirt, a floral blouse. She's got her sunglasses on her head and she's got some gold earrings. Like if I, I don't think this looks like Nancy. You'll see it on the artwork that I post for the new episode. And I'll also use her on my Instagram post where I will chuck her in front of a movie scene. And I'd love to know what you think of Nancy on this cover because, yeah, she just looks nothing like Nancy. So Flirting with Danger is set in California. So this is the second book in a row that hasn't taken place in River Heights. Um, We've also been in California before. We were there in Case 26, Playing with Fire, which was that strange case revolving around all these Napoleon artifacts. And we were also there in Case 34, Vanishing Act, where the girls went searching for a missing pop star or rock star years and years after he went missing because everyone that assumed he was dead or something. Anyway, this time we are in Beverly Hills, California. Ned and Nancy are visiting one of Ned's classmates, Josh Klein. He's majoring in filmmaking at Emerson College and he's landed an internship at a famous Hollywood studio. His parents live there, so he's gone back home to visit and invited Nancy and Ned to stay. The book starts, they're all eating breakfast at the table and they're talking about Rachel, uh, Josh's younger sister, is about to graduate and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe it. I remember when you were young, et cetera, et cetera. But Rachel's a little bit on edge and excuses herself from the table. Meanwhile, Josh and Nancy and Ned start planning all the activities that Ned and Nancy can do on their vacation together in Hollywood. He tells them that they can go to Malibu, they can tour the stars' homes. I did that when I was in Hollywood. It was so boring. It was literally just looking at a bunch of fences. So if you ever find yourself in Hollywood as a tourist, I'll say, yeah, skip the tour of the stars' homes. Josh also suggests visiting the Hollywood Hills at night because there's a great view and it's like really romantic. And it would be great for Ned and Nancy to have some alone time together just to have a hot makeout session in the car overlooking the Hollywood lights. On that aforementioned Hollywood trip, I went to um, an AT&T store. I think I've shared this story on the podcast before. Anyway, the AT&T guy asked me out on a date. He like dragged me all around Los Angeles and then we ended up on Mulholland Drive and he pulled over and we looked at the lights and he tried to make out with me and I wasn't interested and he was very polite about it. Also, Josh's parents' house is amazing. It's got thick blue carpet, which doesn't sound too attractive, but Nancy and Ned's bedroom, which I assume they're sharing a bedroom. I'm not a hundred percent sure. It does say her room, not their room. Regardless, it has its own whirlpool in there and the house has got a tennis court and a swimming pool. So it seems like this family's really rich, but You know, this is a Nancy Drew book, and when Nancy hears somebody on the phone, she likes to listen in. And who does she listen into? None other than Rachel. And she hears Rachel say, Dennis, I can't do that. You don't know my parents. They're counting on this. I just can't let them down. Of course, Nancy's like, oh, that sounds interesting. And Rachel just blows her off saying, oh, one of my friends is nervous about making a speech. But Nancy's not buying any of it. So who's this Dennis guy? What are her parents counting on? What can't she let them down about? 
Nancy goes to her room and gets ready for the graduation. She's wearing a turquoise sundress, the same color as the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) This sentence reminded me of uh, the Sweet Valley High books whenever they spoke about Jess and Elizabeth's eyes. I was like, their eyes were the same color as the Pacific Ocean. And but this time it's Nancy's dress being the same color as the Pacific Ocean. It's a such a trope in teen books from the 90s. It probably still is a trope in teen books today. I just don't read them. They arrive at the graduation ceremony. Ned notices that Nancy feels weird or is acting weird or that something's on her mind. And she just tells Ned about the conversation that she overheard. Ned's like, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's fine. However, it's not fine because when it's time for Rachel to receive her diploma, she is nowhere to be seen. Immediately, they all split up and they try to look for Rachel. Nancy mentions the dentist person that she overheard Rachel talking to and Josh nor Rachel's parents are familiar with that type of person. However, if there is a special guy in Rachel's life, her best friend Beth would be sure to know. Beth hasn't seen Rachel and she's really, really worried. She tells her parents that she wants to stay and help look for Rachel and her parents are like, yeah, yeah, of course, feel free. When Nancy asks Beth if Rachel would run away, Beth is like, uh, no, no, definitely not. And when she asks about Dennis, Beth acts all weird about him as well and said, no, like, yeah, they're dating, but she wouldn't like run away with him. Beth is acting like really weird. She's got a scared look in her eyes and Nancy takes notice of this. And then suddenly an attractive guy with wavy blonde hair and blue eyes comes up to them and he sees Nancy and he likes what he sees. His name is Mike. Nancy asks him if he had seen Rachel and he's like, yeah, I saw her alone earlier today. She was picking up her cap and gown, but she was alone and she wasn't acting weird at all. Nancy asks Beth if she was in any type of trouble and Beth is like, doesn't really answer. And then finally says, I'm sure she wasn't in any trouble whatsoever. They meet back at the car park and they see Rachel's car. However, Rachel isn't in the car. She wouldn't have left graduation without her car. So they come to the conclusion that she's been kidnapped. Nancy tries to calm Josh down, but it doesn't look good. The keys are still in the ignition. Why would Rachel just leave her car with the keys in it? Like, yeah, kidnapping definitely looks likely in this situation. Like, this whole case is weird. I don't know. Why is, like, Beth being weird? Why isn't she telling Nancy the truth? I hope, like, Nancy just snaps and goes, Beth, tell me what's up quickly. Otherwise, you know, you're wasting my time. I bet Beth holds the key to like this mystery and she's just messing about making things difficult for Nancy. Also, if someone went missing back in the 1990s, it would be really difficult. They keep mentioning how Rachel and Josh's parents should go back to the house because if anyone calls, they'll be there and they don't need the maid to answer. Whereas if anyone went missing today, the parents would be doing all the legwork because they'll have a mobile phone and they'll easily be able to be contacted. It's just, yeah, interesting. If my kid or my dog or someone went missing, I'd be out there on foot or in my car driving around doing everything possible. I wouldn't be at home feeling helpless by the phone. 
Nancy asks Karen, who is Rachel and Josh's mother, if she's been in any trouble or if she's ever run away. Karen says, no, no, not at all. And then she's worried that Rachel has been kidnapped and that if they ask for money, they don't have any money despite living in this huge mansion. All their money is tied up in the house. So I guess you don't have any disposable income if you've got to keep up with the Joneses in Beverly Hills. Beth is also there back at the house and Beth is like, oh, I don't think she's run away. And they're like, oh, how do you know? And turns out her piggy bank is empty. So if she took money from her piggy bank, it means that she went away on purpose. Good clue, Beth. Maybe you should be a detective. Nancy really wants to ask questions of all of Rachel and Beth's friends. Thankfully, they're having a party at the surf club later that night. Nancy's been invited. Ned and Josh are going to go. However, they don't really feel like partying. They just want to help Nancy solve the case. Nancy discusses the case with Ned and she's like, okay, it doesn't seem like Rachel was kidnapped because she took her money. And then Ned's like, well, she wouldn't need her car if she was with somebody else. And Nancy's like, oh, that's right, Dennis. We've got to find this Dennis guy and, you know, ask him questions, which is like the obvious person because if someone ever goes missing, we always know it's the boyfriend or the husband or whatever. That night at the party, we don't know what Nancy is wearing, which is kind of lame. I like knowing what Nancy wears when she goes out. But she sees Mike, uh, the guy who was flirting with her earlier, and he is with a girl called Jessica, who is wearing a green silk jumpsuit. So at least we know what she's wearing. And Jessica's just like, oh, I don't know what you're worried about. It's clear that she's run off with that boyfriend of hers, Dennis. When Beth hears this, she gets really catty and says to Jessica, "Uh, we don't want to know your opinion. We all know that you don't like Rachel. Wow, the claws are out at Ocean Highlands High. From Beth, we learn a little bit more about Dennis. It turns out that Rachel used to date Mike up until a month ago. Uh, They broke up and now she's dating Dennis. Well, obviously, it turns out that he's a wild guy. Um, He graduated from Ocean Highlands High last year and he's got a punk haircut. He also works at a stereo equipment store in West Hollywood called Sound Performance. So Nancy plans to go there the following morning. As they leave the party, they find a note written on the program of Ocean Highlands graduation ceremony and the note says stop looking for Rachel or you may get hurt love the cats and cats is spelled k-a-t so somebody that Nancy has come across already knows that Nancy's on the case and has left this warning note so who have we met so far we've got Beth we've got Jessica we have Mike We have Josh, but he's her brother, and we've got the parents. So this doesn't leave too many people. And whoever left the note also would be a member of the high school since they have the program from the graduation ceremony. But at the same time, Nancy and Ned were at the graduation ceremony, so they might have had a program. So yeah, that's not a very good clue. It could literally be anybody. But only Mike, Jessica, and Beth know that Nancy's on the case and would want to scare her off. But we all know that Nancy doesn't get scared off. In fact, notes and threats just make her more determined, and it's proof that she's on the right track. 
They go to Sam Performance the next day. They speak to the manager and ask for a dentist. However, the manager is like, oh, I fired him. I knew that kid was no good. He has a punk haircut and I knew that he'd been in trouble. However, I thought I'd give him a chance. However, after numerous electronics went missing while he was working, he had no choice but to fire him. I love how people in these books just fire without any proof that somebody has stolen something. Like back in uh, Out of Bounds, they fired that girl who worked at the cafe because they thought that she was stealing money. And now it's like, oh, some stuff's gone missing. We're going to fire you instead of, you know, It could have been anyone that stole these speakers. It's just, yeah. (laughs) Do you have workers' rights in America? Like in Australia, you can't fire anyone unless you've got proof that they stole stuff or did something bad. Nancy is worried that Dennis has stolen the equipment to sell to have money so he could run away with Rachel because why else would Rachel take all her money and go missing? Nancy asks the manager for Dennis's phone number and he gives it to them and then they leave. Nancy calls the phone number, but there is no answer. She also tries to get the address for it from directory assistance. However, it's unlisted. So they've reached a dead end. They head back to the client's mansion. They go for a swim and the maid tells them that there's another party on tonight. So of course, Ned and Nancy are going to go and find out some more information. Thankfully, this time we get told about what Nancy is wearing and her outfit sounds phenomenal. She's wearing a black tank top, a roomy white overshirt and a black and white checked mini skirt. This is something I would wear. Actually, I want to go and buy a black and white checked mini skirt and wear this outfit tomorrow. This outfit sounds amazing. I'll probably match it with some like ankle boots too. Both Ned and Josh approve by whistling. Ned is wearing a red dress shirt and beige chinos. So yeah, he looks okay as well, I guess. It depends how baggy the chinos are. The party is being held at a really super fancy mansion on the San Gabriel foothills. Nancy is standing on a deck about 30 foot above a pool, admiring the dusk. She doesn't get to enjoy it for too long though. Suddenly some hands grab her and throw her over the edge and she falls that 30 feet into the pool. Thankfully she falls in the deep end and doesn't hurt herself too seriously. 30 foot for my metric friends is about 10 meters. I would be terrified falling 10 meters into a pool like to be honest with you. I hate even jumping off a 10 meter diving board. After Nancy is all dried, she sees Beth, Jessica and Mike with another man called Peter. And then we get to learn a little bit more about Dennis from Mike and Mike's feelings towards him. Obviously, he doesn't like him because he is now with Rachel and Rachel had dumped Mike and he was really upset. Mike was the one that dobbed in Dennis for stealing. However, he never saw Dennis take anything. He did, however, seem to have a lot of money for someone who worked minimum wage. Jessica butts in and says that Dennis is a jerk and she thinks that he's behind all these robberies. Nancy's like, hang on a second, what robberies? Turns out there's a bunch of robberies in Beverly Hills. Like, big surprise, if you're going to rob houses, you'd want to do it in Beverly Hills. Which reminds me of that movie, The Bling Ring. That movie was really good and that's actually based on a true story as well. 
While all this is taking place, Beth is sitting there like really uncomfortable and is all fidgety and she's playing with this necklace that she has. It's a pendant with a gold cat that has white opals for eyes. And the fact that the book pointed this pendant out makes me feel like it's going to be very important. Like immediately I'm thinking that the note was from the cats and now she's got a cat pendant. Is Beth like responsible here? Like there's a clue and Nancy hasn't figured it out yet, but it is a very subtle clue. We learn that Dennis hangs out at a place called the Snake Pit, which is like a seedy underage hangout where they listen to bands and drink sodas and dance, I guess. Nancy's like, okay, let's go there now. They rock up and it is like a a rough looking place. It's full of smoke. I don't know if the teenagers there are smoking. However, everyone's wearing black leather jackets. And that, of course, that makes everybody look tough. What is it about leather jackets that makes people look scary or tough or cool? I must admit, whenever I wear my leather jacket, I do feel like I can take on the world. <laughs> they don't see Dennis anywhere. Josh is like thinking, this doesn't seem like the type of guy that my sister would go out with. And Beth like says, oh no, like I didn't think she was serious about him at all. And then Mike's like, she was serious enough about him to dump me. And then Jessica's like, oh, why don't you just forget about her and start going out with somebody else? And then Josh butts in and says, oh, should we just forget that she's missing as well? And Nancy finally calms everybody down. Beth looks really, really on edge and she's fidgeting with her necklace. There's that necklace again. Maybe it means something. And then suddenly Mike spots Dennis and starts chasing him. However, just as they get out of their seats, the power goes out because of course it does. By the time the lights come back on, they've lost him. Peter, who had split off as soon as they got to the snake pit, returns to the table. They ask if he's seen Dennis and he's like, nope, didn't even see him anywhere and then leaves and goes back to dancing with some punk looking chick. The next plan of attack is to ask around to see if anyone knows Dennis. However, nobody wants to talk about him. So they strike out yet again. As they leave, they notice some graffiti on the wall near the door, and it turns out that there's a picture of a cat with white eyes, which looks very similar to Betha's necklace. Hmm, a necklace matching some graffiti and a warning note from a group called the Cats. Hmm, when is Nancy going to put two and two together? This is really unfortunate. Like Nancy's gone on a holiday and yet again is on a case and has no idea what's happening. Was Rachel kidnapped? Did she run away? Where is this Dennis guy so we can talk to him? They head back to the client's house and when they arrive, Rachel's room has been ransacked. At first they thought that they were the victims of the Beverly Hills burglary. Uh, however, all their electronics are still there and the rest of the house hasn't been touched. So someone was in that room specifically for Rachel. Nancy noticed a pile of videotapes on the floor and we learned that Rachel is also interested in filmmaking like her brother. Uh, the videos are labeled Day at the Beach, Girls at the Mall and Boys Worth Watching. This seems like some peeping Tom kind of stuff, but they could just be vlogs. <laughs> I guess they wouldn't be called vlogs back then. I don't know. <laughs> what would you call vlogs? I, I mean, they would be vlogs, just vlogs weren't really a thing. 
<sighs> what an eventful night. First of all, Nancy gets pushed off a deck into a pool and then the lights go off at the snake pit when they see Dennis and now Rachel's room has been ransacked. What could it all mean? Nancy and Ned call it a night and then the next morning they are determined to find Dennis. Nancy's outfit for the day consists of white pants and a blue cotton shirt, which is, I don't know, very basic, I guess. I'm sure Nancy looks wonderful in it. The police are at the house. It turns out that nobody saw anything. They're checking for fingerprints. However, they do have Dennis Harper's address. Nancy's ears prick up and she's like, excuse me, officer, can I please have Dennis Harper's address? I'm a detective and I'm helping the clients look for Rachel. And for some crazy reason, this rando cop in Beverly Hills has heard of Nancy and is like, yeah, sure, here it is. <laughs> what luck. They do warn her, however, that she can't go in there unless he answers the door and that they've already been there and he wasn't there. But of course, Nancy's probably going to ignore this and go and break into the place because Nancy is no stranger when it comes to breaking the law. Josh is running late for work, so Ned and Nancy offer to drive him if they can borrow Rachel's car for the rest of the day. And he's like, yep, sure, cool. However, just before they leave, Beth calls and's like, Nancy, I need to meet you. Meet me at 12 o'clock. And she's like, sure. Okay, so I wonder what that meeting's going to be about. They drive Josh to the film studio and it's very interesting because, you know, it is cool being on a movie set. I've never actually been on a movie set. We have an amusement park here called Movie World. It's kind of like Universal Studios except for Warner Brothers Studios instead. Um, and like they have sound stages and other things that teach you about the world of movies. So I'm guessing it's just like that, but a real studio. As they go to leave, they hear a car rumbling and they turn around and a car is coming straight for them. Thankfully, like always, they manage to get away just in time. It's a movie set, so the car couldn't have gotten too far. They quickly brush themselves off. They run around the corner to find the car abandoned and the driver long gone, which is really not helpful. So who could have done this? Who at the movie studio knows that Nancy is working on the case. Josh said when they first went in that it's a secure set. However, sometimes visitors sneak in and are able to get on set. So that really doesn't narrow it down. If it was narrowing it down, it would have been Josh because they were actually looking for Josh when this happened. But I'm sure Josh is not behind this case. Ned doesn't have bad taste in Friends. Remember, we learned this in Two Points to Murder. Was it Two Points? Yeah, in Two Points to Murder, Nancy was suspicious of one of Ned's friends and it almost caused them to break up. However, it turns out that no, Ned has great taste in people and is never wrong. After this incident, Ned puts on his concerned boyfriend acts and suggests that Nancy drops the case. But we know Nancy, she's never going to give up. And this just means that she's closer to finding out who's responsible. Ned's like, okay, yep, silly me for even asking. They head back to the client's house and Nancy gets changed because her white pants and blue top are now filthy dirty after almost being hit with a car. She gets changed into a pair of blue cotton shorts with a matching top and heads off to meet Beth. Now I'm really interested in what Beth needs to say. They arrive at the meeting spot and Jessica is there with Beth and Jessica is mad. She's yelling, you better not spill the beans because if you do, you'll pay for it. So whatever could that be about? Hmm. 
Nancy challenges Jessica and is like, what beans? And Jessica like gets really snarky and she's like, you know what, Nancy, I'm getting a little tired of all your questions. It just so happens that what Beth and I were talking about is none of your business, which is like good that someone snaps back because Nancy is always eavesdropping on everyone's conversation and poking her nose in where it's not needed. Jessica has really scared Beth because Beth doesn't want to talk to Nancy anymore and rushes out of the restaurant. So these two know something. Jess has always been like, oh, who cares about Rachel? And Beth is on edge. So I really want to know what's happening. Are these two both members of the cats and they just simply don't like Rachel or are they in this robbery ring together? I just, I don't know. Speaking of the cats, As Jessica storms off, she drops an invitation to a party at the Cat Club headquarters the next evening at 7pm. What a break. Yet again, a coincidence or a chance of luck has led Nancy onto her next clue. Unfortunately, the party's not till the next evening, so Nancy's going to have to anxiously wait till then. To fill in some time, they head back to the Kleins and spend the afternoon in the pool, which includes a nice makeout session. It's good that our couple get some time alone together. Nancy is also fawning hard over Ned. She's like so glad she has a guy that can make her laugh, is hot and is a great help on all the cases. Yes, Nancy, we know Ned is generally great except for his anger issues. They take it easy for the rest of the night. They have a dinner and then they decide to sit down and watch a movie. They settle on at Casablanca, which is one of Nancy's favorite movies. I did not know that. Nancy does seem to like old films. She has seen a few old, old films in her time. However, the tape doesn't work. It's just blank. Nancy figures that someone had taped over it and I remembered that pain. In fact, I found some old VCR home movies the other week and I watched one of them. It was absolutely fine. However, the other one had been taped over with some random TV show. I was like quite disappointed because those memories could never come back. Anyway, so they put on another movie and halfway through the phone rings and it's none other than Rachel. Nancy tries to get some information from Rachel, but she doesn't want to talk. She just wants to talk to her parents. However, by the time her parents get on the phone, the line goes dead. They didn't really recognize anything from the phone call except the sound of the ocean. So wherever Rachel could be, it was near the water, which in California, it's not hard to be near the water. At least we know she's alive. She's not dead. So that's one good thing. I'm a bit annoyed though, like why couldn't she just be like, hey, I'm here, everything's okay. Like, okay, we know that she's alive, but she could have given us some more information. It's a bit frustrating. Nancy recites Dennis's address and asks them if that address is near the water. And it turns out that it is, but supposedly the cops had already looked there and Rachel wasn't there. However, Nancy still wants to go look herself. So yet again, they still have on their schedule to check out the place the following day. They're also getting Mike to come with them because he knows Rachel well and if there was any clues that led to Rachel being there, Mike would be able to pick them up. And I just want to like have a side bit here. The police in this case are absolutely useless. 
Uh, Mrs. Klein keeps telling them all this information, but they either check it out and don't find anything or they're off duty and can't help, which is just ridiculous. Can't they get another cop to help? I don't know how policing works. Maybe only one cop can work on a case. Regardless, they're, they're useless. On the way to Dennis's house, Nancy questions Mike about Jessica and Beth. She asks if they're good friends. He says, no, they hate each other. Um, and we learn that Jessica is the real mean girl and that she's nobody's friend. And Nancy's like, well, why does she hang around with you? And Mike's just like, I don't know, something to do. We also learn from Mike that Jess is really, really jealous because Rachel's more popular and gets better marks. So that's definitely a motive. If Jess has got feelings for Mike, then she would be happy that Rachel is with Dennis and Mike is now available. And it explains why she was all like, oh, who cares about Rachel? Like, it makes sense, but it also gives her a perfect motive. They arrive at Dennis's house and it too has been ransacked. They go through all the rooms and then suddenly the police rock up. The lieutenant's like, what are you doing here? I told you that you're not allowed to be here unless Dennis lets you in. And of course, Nancy just like helps herself in. Supposedly the door was unlocked and the cops are cool with it because it's Nancy. She gets away with everything. Mike notices a denim jacket and it's like, Oh, yes, this is Rachel. She has been here. And inside the jacket is a note and it says, We're in terrible trouble. Find us, please. Mike is an absolute mess about this. He clearly still cares deeply about Rachel. Then he acts all weird and it's like, oh, maybe the cops think that I'm involved with this. It's like, because I care so much about Rachel still, maybe I've kidnapped her so she can't be with Dennis. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, it seems likely, but I doubt it. Mike gives the jacket back to the cops because they need it for evidence. And then he whispers under his breath, oh, these cats are dangerous. And Nancy's like, hang on a second, Mike, what did you say? And he's like, I just meant these guys, criminals in general, they're dangerous. Hmm, okay, like, Mike knows something about the cats. Like, this is so weird. Why are the cats being ignored? Like, first of all, there's a warning from the cats, and then there's the cats clubhouse, and Nancy hasn't figured to ask anybody about who the cats are. It just makes no sense, Nancy. This is right in front of your eyes. Mike leaves. He tells Ned and Nancy that he has to go to work. However, after mentioning the cats, Ned and Nancy figure that Mike is hiding something, so they follow him. He does end up at work where he said he was going to be. However, Ned's like, oh, he probably thought he was being tailed. Let's just sit here and see what happens. And lo and behold, a couple of minutes later, he leaves and he drives to a street called Beach Drive. Now, do we remember what Beach Drive is? Yes, Beach Drive is the address of the Cat Clubhouse. Not only that, when Mike arrives, Beth and Jess rush out to meet him, which is quite unusual because supposedly they hate each other. And does this also mean that they're cats? Hmm. Well, Nancy and Ned want to go in, but they decide to wait for the party tonight. They try not to jump to conclusions, but it does look very, very suspicious. We get warnings from the cats. This is the address of the cat club. Uh, Mike is hiding the fact that he knows about the cats. What on earth is happening? Where is Rachel? Is she inside the clubhouse? Uh, I'm, I'm actually really confused. I have no idea what's happening. Oh, and they decide not to tell the cops, which is probably a smart move because the cops are useless in this case. 
Later that evening, Ned and Nancy break into the cat clubhouse. And what do they find? A room full of fancy and expensive electronics. Is it possible that the cats are behind the robberies? It definitely seems likely. Someone comes down to the basement and Nancy and Ned hide. The person grabs something and then quickly retreats out of the basement. Ned and Nancy were not seen. Nancy and Ned are wondering why all this stuff is in boxes and if it was stolen, why aren't they selling it? Which is a good point, I guess. They want to head upstairs and explore the rest of the house. However, they overhear Beth and Jessica talking. Beth is like, oh, I swear I saw somebody down there or it felt like somebody was down there. So they go down to the basement and check. Ned and Nancy are still hiding and they're not seen. Once the coast is clear, they peep through the door and they see Beth, Jess and Mike and none other than the owner of Sound Performance, a man called Rolf Linderbaum. Now, remember, this guy fired Dennis because he thought that he was stealing things. So this is really interesting. Why is the manager of the store at this party? This makes no sense. However, as we know, Nancy's always in the right place at the right time and they overhear the conversation. Mike says, you've got to let me take care of things my way. Nancy, Drew and that friend of hers are onto us. And Rolf is like, look, I'm running the show. You shut up. Besides, Peter's idea is more my style. And then Beth is like, you promised no one would get hurt. Jessica's being her usual mean girl self and saying, oh, shut up. You're in this as deep as the rest of us. You better not get cold feet and blow the whistle on us. And then Ralph is like, calm down, girls. Nobody is going to turn us in. And then Jess is like, oh, Beth might. She's acting really, really nervous and stuff. Ralph is like, listen, Beth, if we get caught, so do you. And then Beth is like, I wish I'd never heard of the cat club. I hate this. You know how I mentioned the Bling Ring movie before? Well, clearly I was spot on. This is the Bling Ring, but <laughs> the Cat Club instead. I think I like the name the Bling Ring better for a like, group that does robberies of Beverly Hills mansions. Nancy and Ned actually do something that they never do before. They're like, okay, we've heard enough. We're going to go tell the cops they can deal with it now. It's like, when does that ever happen? However, Beth has caught them. Thankfully, Nancy shakes her head and tells Beth to be quiet, and she does. She doesn't tell the others that Ned and Nancy are there, and then she runs away. And of course, like the other crew go and like chase her because they're worried about her tattling. Ned and Nancy head back to the client's house and fill Josh in on what's happening. They're worried that Rachel might be involved in this burglary ring. Nancy calls the cops and fills them in on everything that they need to know. Then all of a sudden, Rachel appears and flings herself into Josh's arms. All right, I guess we're going to find out everything now. But like Nancy hasn't really solved anything except who's behind all the burglaries in Beverly Hills. So it turns out that Rachel and Dennis have been hiding out at Dennis's sister's house. And the previous night, they went to Dennis's house to pick some stuff up. However, Pete and a bunch of other guys were there and caught them. Rachel told them that she had to go to the bathroom and that's where she wrote the note and put it in her jacket pocket, hoping that somebody would find it. And thankfully they did find it. And then Pete took them to the cat clubhouse and hid them in the attic. 
Dennis is still there. Rachel managed to get away because Jessica untied her so she could go to the bathroom. Then Rachel put a bag or something over Jessica's head and locked her in the cupboard. No one could hear her because the music was really loud. Rachel doesn't want to tell her mum and dad's what's happened until everything has been solved. So Josh goes and calls the cops. Nancy asks why Rachel is so insistent that her parents don't know. And it turns out that the cats were going to frame Rachel and Dennis. Of course they were. This is not a fun group of people. And like, how dare they ruin Rachel's graduation? Like, this is so uncool. Anyway, it turns out that Peter was going to plant all the stolen equipment in Dennis's car, the stuff that Ralph had already fired him for. Um, and Peter was going to do that because supposedly Dennis and Rachel found out about the cats being part of this burglary ring and were going to dob them in. But how did Rachel and Dennis know that the cats were behind the robberies? Well, because they were part of them as well. Uh-oh, this is why Rachel doesn't want her parents to know because her daughter is a criminal. Uh-oh. Now, remember that Casablanca movie that Ned and Nancy wanted to watch, but it was taped over? Well, it turns out it was actually a video of Peter, Mike, Beth, Jess, and Rachel robbing sound performance. However, when Ralph found this videotape, he decided to use it to blackmail the kids. He said, unless you start robbing houses in Beverly Hills, I'm going to dob you in. <laughs> what a huge mess. And like, how did they get into this in the first place? Oh, it's Mike's fault. He likes dares, supposedly. It's such dumb kid stuff. Nancy asks how Rachel has this videotape if Ralph was using it to blackmail them. Turns out that Dennis had stolen it off Ralph. So, okay, that explains that. But why would Ralph want a bunch of kids to steal stuff? Well, supposedly, since the kids are, you know, familiar with the area, they knew the houses and how to beat the alarms, which is okay. I live in an area and I have no idea how to beat the alarms on all the houses in my area. Like, that's such dumb logic. Josh asks, well, why did you run away? And it turns out that... Rachel and Dennis wanted to get out of the ring and they had to hide until they had proof against Ralph and Peter. The crew rushes back to the party, hoping that the police are going to be there waiting for them when they arrive. We also learn that Dennis's apartment and Rachel's bedroom was ransacked because whoever ransacked the room was looking for the Casablanca tape, aka the tape used to blackmail them all which makes sense now. They finally arrive back at the clubhouse and it's a lot more quieter now. The music stops, but the light's still on. Mike and Ralph and Peter are still there, according to the cars. The crew break in via the basement yet again and sneak through the house. In the kitchen, Nancy finds a floppy disk labeled inventory. She figures it's a record of all the stolen merchandise. Nancy puts it in her pocket to be used as evidence. They continue creeping throughout the house and stop silently outside a bedroom where Mike, Ralph and Peter are talking. And of course, we learn everything we possibly need to learn. They're discussing getting rid of Dennis because they've still got him captive, remember? They also figure that Rachel has spilled the beans and he wants to take his money and get out of there. 
Mike's like, I'm going to Mexico. And Ralph is like, hey, don't be so sure that she's talked. We've still got Dennis. She cares about him a lot and she wouldn't put his life in danger. And Mike's like, oh, don't tell me about it. I know he's really bitter about this breakup. And then Peter butts in saying, look, if Rachel's not going to talk, Beth will. She's just been on edge the entire time. Peter's getting really angsty and wants to leave. And Ralph's like, hey, you calm down. You're too hot-headed. This is what gets us into trouble. And we also learned that Peter was the one that pushed Nancy over the ledge and run her down with a car. I don't know how it works. Um, I don't remember Peter being at the party. No, Peter was at the party. But I don't know how he would have got into the movie set. The crew finally make it into the attic and untie Dennis and Dennis is described as being a good looking guy with spiky brown hair. Everyone said that he had a punk haircut. I don't think spiky brown hair makes you a punk but I could be wrong. Also if he was a punk wouldn't his spikes be dyed? (laughs) I'm not really familiar with punks of the early 90s. I just think of like the 60s and 70s punk with their mohawks and their tartan. Anyway Dennis is all like Rachel what are you doing? You could have got caught. Rachel's all like, oh, I couldn't just leave you here and then introduces him to Josh, Nancy and Ned. Nancy's like, we need to get out of here quickly. Can you climb out the window and down a tree? And supposedly he can't because his legs are too shaky. So they decide to take the stairs instead, which is the dumbest thing ever because, of course, they get caught. Ralph is waving a gun in their face. Ralph threatens to shoot them unless they hand over the tape and the crew refuses and Ralph's like, okay, that's it. We're tying them up. Nancy figures that she has to make a move on them before they get tied up. Once they're tied up, it will be useless. Nancy thankfully catches Mike's eye and kind of gives him a message as if to say it's them or us. What are you going to do? Turns out that he does nothing. Ned and Josh tackle Peter. Nancy tackles Ralph. He drops his gun and Nancy grabs it. Ned and Nancy tie up Ralph and Peter while Mike's sitting there sulking. Ralph is all like, oh, you'll never prove anything. Too bad, you know, all the proof is down in the basement where all the stolen goods are sitting. The cops finally rock up. They're like, oh, Rachel, we've been looking for you. And Rachel tells them everything. Turns out the book is going to be slammed pretty hard against Peter and Ralph. Mike might get away more lightly. Dennis, you'll be charged. And as for Rachel, the cop really doesn't know. However, they do need to know who else was involved. And Jess and Beth's names are shared. Later that afternoon, Rachel comes home from the police station. She too is getting charged. However, she'll probably get off with a probation. Dennis will get off lightly as well since he was so helpful. Peter and Ralph are going to go to jail as are Jessica and Mike. We don't learn what happens to Beth though. Rachel's parents were all like, why didn't you tell us about this? And Rachel's like, oh, we wanted to sort it out herself. And the parents are like, well, make sure you never do anything like this again. Well, obviously, they've probably learned their lesson, although some people just never learn their lesson. The book ends with Ned and Nancy joking that now they can have a proper vacation, which is going to start with a walk along the beach. So yay, the book is over. Um, <laughs> I'm actually surprised that I made a comment about the bling ring and it turned out to be the bling ring. <laughs> That's just amazing. This book was okay, I guess. It was a bit lame. Um, 
Yet again, Nancy did absolutely nothing. (laughs) Like everything was a coincidence. Rachel was the one that ended up spilling the beans. And if Rachel didn't manage to get away, she'll still be missing. So congratulations, Nancy, you did nothing. I really don't like the fact that this was a location-based book, yet they didn't really take advantage of the location. It's like this burglary ring could have taken place in any city of the United States, but for some reason they chose Beverly Hills. Like, I guess, yes, it's known as a rich area, but still, like, they could have just placed, (laughs) why couldn't this happen in River Heights? Oh, wait, that's right, because it happened in Circle of Evil. Also, the fact that the kids decided to rob a store as a dare and then they got blackmailed into doing more high-risk burglaries, it just seems so far-fetched. Like, the kids don't get anything out of this except not getting into trouble. And even if they did get dobbed in for doing the burglary, they probably would have gotten away a lot lighter than what they would have now that they've robbed a million places. Ned really didn't do anything in this book at all. He was just kind of there. I'm glad that Ned and Nancy managed to have that huge makeout session in the pool. <laughs> like that was the only time that they seemed to make out in this book. Oh, I'm going to assume they made out while watching that movie as well. So as for hookups, there was no new hookups in this book. We have Bess on six, Ned, Nancy and George on five. And near-death experiences, there was three in this book. We had Nancy being pushed over the edge of the rail into the pool, almost being run over by a car in the studio lot and being held at gunpoint, which brings our grand total to 117. Whew, the last two books have been very, very dangerous. I guess that's what Nancy gets for having a relatively safe case back in Out of Bounds. Also, I still have no idea who the guy on the cover is. I'm going to say it was Mike because he was the only one that was described as being attractive. Oh, I guess Dennis was as well, but it might also be Ned. And if it's Ned, then yeah, Ned looks super, super hot. So yeah, I'm just going to say it's Ned. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and join me for the next episode case number 48 a date with deception which fun fact this is also part of a three-part trilogy which is called the summer of love trilogy so hopefully this summer of love involves nancy and ned and not nancy and ned breaking up and nancy hooking up with a bunch of other dudes (laughs) Uh, if you'd like to email me you can hello at nancydrewpodcast.com and follow me at on Instagram rather, Nancy Drew Podcast. Thanks, Detective. Bye.